0: Welcome to the Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris, and I'm just so glad you're here. This podcast is designed to dig below the surface. We're going to talk about everything from life to love and pretty much everything in between. So go ahead and leave that Superman cape of having it all together at the door because life is freaking messy. Don't I know it. Now, not only are we going to be real, we're going to have some fun, too, because Lord knows I will find any excuse to bring up Beyonce or the latest episode of The Bachelorette. So if you're a new friend, welcome. Make sure you're subscribed to the Refined Collective Podcast on iTunes. And if you're an old friend, welcome back. And would you do me a quick favor? Hop on over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating and written review. I would be so grateful. Finally, if something stands out to you in this episode, go on and slide into my DMs on Instagram. I love hearing from you. It's at The Refined Woman. Now let's go ahead and get to it. Welcome to The Refined Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Kat Harris. And thank you, Newsstand Studio here at One Rock Center for hosting me today. And Joe, thank you for producing my podcast and for Kitty running all the logistics to make TRC a reality. Also, thank you to my ever faithful Patreon community. My Patreon fam supports TRC for $5 a month. And as a thank you, I create weekly exclusive content just for them. So if you want to link arms with me and support TRC, and in doing so, get some VIP weekly content, go to patreon.com slash The Refined Collective. I'm an avid reader. I'm the girl who always has at least three books going at once, from nonfiction to memoirs, and I love getting lost in a good fiction book. I just got a new fiction book that I'm super excited about called Lost and Found Bookshop by Susan Wiggs. This New York Times bestseller, now in paperback, begins like this. After her mother's death, Natalie Harper inherits a charming but financially strapped bookshop in San Francisco and becomes caretaker for her ailing grandfather. Books provide welcome solace for her grief and struggle. This is a novel that book lovers will love. It's the perfect feel-good summer read. I don't know about you, but I just want a feel-good book to read at the pool. People Magazine calls the book a feel-good family saga, a charming tale about the silver linings of unwanted detours. This is perfect for readers of Jennifer Weiner, Emily Henry, Amanda Iyer-Ward, or even Jojo Moyes. This is a great pick for book clubs and also really great to enjoy on the beach, at the lake, on vacation, or just in the comfort of your own home with a glass of wine. You can grab Lost and Found Bookshop wherever books are sold or find more at susanwigs.com. That's S-U-S-A-N-W-I-G-G-S dot com. Now, we've been running strong here on the podcast for three and a half years, and this podcast is seriously one of my favorite things I get to do in my life. And I want to celebrate with you a huge milestone we have just received here at the podcast. This spring, we hit 1 million podcast downloads. Like what the heck? Over 1 million people have listened to this show from all over the world. And I want to freaking celebrate that with you. So I have spent time with my team combing through the archives of TRC And for the next few weeks, I'm relaunching our most downloaded episodes of all time. You may or may not be surprised that almost all of the highest downloaded episodes have to do with sexuality, spirituality, along with dating, relationships, and personal growth. Now, if you're new to TRC, buckle up because you likely haven't heard a lot of this content. And if you've been here from the beginning, first of all, I love you. And second of all, it never hurts to have a little refresher on some of this content. So welcome to the official TRC Remix series, where as per usual, I'm going there, the hard places, the taboo places, and asking hard questions that may make you squirm in your seat, but I believe we'll all be better for it. Today's TRC Remix episode is with theologian and powerhouse Felicia Masonheimer. In this conversation, she candidly shares how her husband wasn't her quote-unquote type when they met. We move through the question, as a woman, should we be looking for a spiritual leader? And what does that even mean when we say that? And finally, she shares the top three things to look for in a partner— Also, fun fact, Felicia is more conservative than me theologically, and her and I are friends, and we are not afraid to admit that we have some differences. However, we are both able to hold space for one another and have meaningful conversations, and a high value for me as a human is to build bridges of connection with people who may be or believe differently than me. I adore Felicia, and I know you're about to as well. Welcome to another episode of the Refine Collective Podcast. I am your host, Kat Harris, and y'all are in for a treat today because I got my Instagram friend, who is now hopefully my real life friend, author and theologian Felicia Masonheimer on the podcast today. Welcome,
1: Felicia. How are you? Thank you. you. Thanks for having me. I'm good. Super fun to talk with you in person and not on Insta. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was like,
0: I always feel like, I know people online (laughs) and (laughs) I legit, I know just like one day, like we've never met in person. And I just started like voice
1: memoing you on Instagram. (laughs) That's a sign of friendship (laughs) to be in my opinion. And it means that when we do meet in person, it's just going to be completely natural.
0: Yes. I feel like so many times when I am reading your posts, I'm just like clapping my hands. (laughs) Like, yes, yes, louder. Um, (laughs) So I'm just really excited to get to talk to you and you're
1: preggers, right? I am. Yep. How? Good time to be holed up during coronavirus. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, mm. How far along are you and how are you feeling? I'm about 16 weeks. This is my third baby. Oh my so I'm feeling pretty good. I have pretty easy pregnancies. So oh I don't want to jinx myself or anything, but... Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty blessed. Do
0: you feel like you can't really like say that aloud or else people will get mad at you? <laughs>
1: sometimes yeah like I try to pick and choose like if there's a bunch of moms who I don't know I don't be like I have asylum pregnancies you know Mm -hmm. I don't want to do that I do have an autoimmune disease related Mm. to pregnancies so that kind of evens it out I feel like you're like it sucks Um, for me too people (laughs) yeah I'm not nauseous the whole time but my skin breaks out in a massive rash does that Mm. count (laughs) it definitely counts
0: (laughs) um when my best friend had her baby about a year and a half ago. She texted me this picture of herself leaving the hospital like the second day later. And she was like, you can't show this picture to anyone. But look, and she was in her... She left the hospital in her pre-pregnancy jeans. <laughs> oh, that is impressive. And she, That's impressive. I know, and she was like, "Everyone's gonna hate me. I can't post pictures for a long time." She's like, "Who knew? Who knew? Like my body <laughs> was going to do
1: this." Like, <laughs> I'm so impressed. She brought them to the hospital. So many people are like, "Don't even try." But you know what? You have to have that person who is like, "Go you." Yes. You know, when things aren't hard. <laughs> Seriously, I, like
0: I was like, "Girl, you are living your best life." Like, just own those jeans. Wear them. <laughs> um, (laughs) I love it. So one of the things I wanted to talk with you about specifically on the podcast, you posted something on Instagram about your relationship with your husband and how different, how your, your differences, your similarities. And I just felt like bingo, this is what we need to talk about. So many Christian women come to me and are like, who should I marry? Mm -hmm. Do I need to marry a Christian guy? Like, is that like a preference or not? And then also, and I was like this for a really long time. Like, I think so many Christian women have this big fat chip on their shoulder. That's like, well, this guy can't lead me because he hasn't Mm -hmm. read the Bible 10 times. And there's, I think that there's a lot of confusion about what it means to have a partner that is quote unquote, equally yoked. I don't even like that term because I feel like it's like, so cringy and like Christian knees, um mm-hmm. but I wanted to first off hear your thoughts on all of that, but maybe we can start with your story with your husband, how you guys met, your background as a couple,
1: yeah, sure, so we met. In college, we attended Liberty University, a very conservative Christian school in Virginia. And we're both homeschooled. Um, yes. But come from very... like We had very different journeys. So Josh was like your um, rebellious homeschooler. Like, you know, the Amish mafia kind of thing. <laughs> you know, where you like just completely go off... <laughs> kind of go off the rails. He, um, he definitely... Rebelled after, you know, late high school, early college. It was a party using He was into drugs, alcohol, things like that, um, and abusing them. And so I, you know, was, you know, more of the, I don't know how you describe it, prim and proper one who, kind of stayed on track but i stayed on track mainly you know to keep up appearances mm-hmm. to to look good to be good and we met in college when he was going deeper in his faith like really starting just recommitted his his walk with the lord and i was kind of coming out of legalism and beginning my walk with the lord but i had this really rich foundation of understanding the bible from my parents and i was studying religion so I had, I was way ahead of him as far as knowledge was concerned. And when we met, we actually, we weren't attracted to each other. We we were friends. We had a group of people that we kind of hung out with, but I wasn't attracted to him and I went and dated other people. And he was kind of interested in another girl too. So when we finally did get together, even then I was like, I don't know. He's not my type at all. He's like a skater dude. Like I don't, I don't, I go for military guys and like (laughs) athletes and stuff, you know? So I really kind of overlooked him. And there was like, you kind of mentioned this in the back of my mind, this guy's got to know all this stuff, right? He's got to be ahead of me in every area. And I had this idea that not only did he have to be a spiritual leader, which I'm sure we'll get to in a minute, Mm But he also had to be like ahead in his career and ahead in, you know, social life and skills and like everything. He had to be better. I was basically looking for like a dad boyfriend. (laughs) You know what I mean? (gasps) So when we started dating, that was like a really big uh, reframe for me. But he just loved me so well. And he just understood me and wanted to understand me that... It was, it kind of actually shook me up because here was this guy who was nothing that I would have said is my type, is what I'm interested in. And yet he like loves me so well and he's pursuing the Lord. And so, I mean, the rest is history. We did end up dating and getting married and it hasn't always been easy because we're complete opposites and very, very different personality types, Mm -hmm. but it's just interesting how God works. Yeah.
0: I have a theory. Let me know what you, th- if this matches with you guys. When you said like, there was nothing there, like we were just friends. My theory is that there's typically something there for one of the two. Like, were, like, were you like not physically attracted to him at all? Or like, were you like, oh, I can th- say that he's cute. Or was, was one of you guys secretly crushing on the other throughout your
1: friendship? We, so I've talked to Josh about this. Mm-hmm. And he agreed that he did not find me attractive. Neither of us found each other, you know, repulsive though, <laughs> right? So I don't think it would have happened if we were like, you are literally the grossest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> um, so I don't think it was like that, but it was definitely to the point where we're like, you're nice and I'm going to go date somebody else. Yeah. I think because we both really had a type. And yeah. we were going to find that type. Mm-hmm. But there was enough friendship chemistry there to lay the groundwork for when we eventually dated. So yeah. a lot of joking, you know, just like that. You're easy to talk to because we... The reason we ended up together is because we counseled each other through our respective breakups. Mm-hmm. So um being a good listener kind of paved the way.
0: So what was the... like? Straw that broke the camel's back, I guess. Like, why did you give it a chance with him? Like, did you have this like aha moment of like, oh, like I've seen the light, I am now attracted to him, or was it like a curiosity? Like, what was it? Because I think so many people, myself included, like, you have these friendships, and I mean, I have friendships with guys in my life right now where it's like we've been friends for so long that there's part of me sometimes I'm like do we just need to make out <laughs> like do we just need to just like let's call it spade a spade let's just play a spin the bottle with all of our <laughs> friends and let's make out and let's see if anything is there <laughs> like what was it like what was the thing that made you finally say like I am interested in giving this a shot
1: So I think, and I'm, I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I'm going to tell you what happened. I am not recommending this, especially as a Bible teacher, (laughs) (laughs) just caveat there. (laughs) Um, I was in a really unhealthy relationship before I dated him and he was my friend. And so I was kind of trying to figure out how to break up with this guy because I knew I needed to get out, but I also didn't really want to classic, Mm -hmm. you know? So he finally told me like, we're talking through this. And I just realized like he was very sensitive. He listened. He seemed to really care, but he finally told me, look, if you're going to keep telling me you're going to close the book, stop reading the back cover. That's his exact words. Mm -hmm. Um, you're just picking up the book over and over again. Like get, you need to be done. If you're not done, Mm -hmm. I can't talk to you anymore. And so I was like, Oh man, well, I don't want to not talk to Josh anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's when I kind of realized I have to make a decision. And so um, I, I, one of the things I did to help me make a decision, this is what I don't recommend doing. I texted my boyfriend and Josh the exact same text. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I gauged their responses. And my boyfriend's was very apathetic and kind of like, whatever, I don't care. I'm not going to help you. It was something I needed to help with. Um, mm-hmm. He's like, you know, kind of like basically figure it out. And Josh's was this long detailed, like do these things and this will help you figure it out. And I was like, okay, like, I think this kind of gives me an idea of where I'm at here and the decision that I have to make. Not saying that was the right yeah. way to go about it, but it kind of helped me realize, okay, one person's invested. One person is growing, one person is not. So even though this guy's not my type and the one I'm dating is, maybe I need to let go of these surface things for the things that are really going to matter.
0: I don't know if you've seen the Elijah Schleschlinger elder millennial stand-up comedy special on Netflix.
1: I have not. This sounds very interesting.
0: Okay. It's like a dating seminar. But on it, she says, like, if you want to find out if a guy likes you, ask him to do something for you. <laughs> like if a guy likes you, he's going to show up for you. And essentially like even though it's like we don't want to be testing people, kind of like you said, like kind of giving the this this text thing that you did, but I think what it, what comes up for me when you say that is like you had one person who was willing to show up for you and I think that means something. Obviously it does. And so you ended it with him. You guys started dating. And now let's talk about the fact that you are this Bible major, uh, correct Bible major, right? Uh, Religion. Or was it? Okay. Religion. I am a Bible major. We're both Enneagram threes, right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) So something that you and I have talked about online um, and what I would love to unpack here is like, you know we have this theology training. We are Enneagram threes. So we're performers. We're out there. Our voices are public. And, um, what does it look like to be with someone that is like, quote unquote, a spiritual leader? And, you know, I think sometimes what has happened to me a lot is I'll start dating a guy and, there will be this like, he's like, oh, I love strong women. And then ultimately, it won't work out because he actually doesn't want a strong woman who has a voice or um, a ministry. Um, I found that a lot of guys have felt like threatened by that part of me. Um, And then on the flip side, I have found myself at times like, I was on a date recently and this wasn't the reason why we stopped dating. But like, I was like, oh, like, have you been learning anything lately? And he was like, not really. I was like, oh, have you read any books that are interesting? No, I don't really read. Oh, like any podcasts that are interesting. He's like, I don't really listen to podcasts. I'm like, wow, okay. Well, uh, I don't know what we're going to talk about. Um, And so I think at times I have also felt confused as to like, as a person with a theological background that I understand most people don't have that opportunity to have that in their education and my job is my ministry. So I'm writing, I'm speaking, I'm searching the scriptures on a daily basis as part of what I do for a living. So then what is it to look for a man and be open to a man who is on their own spiritual journey? Does it mean that he has to be in the same place as me?
1: Yeah, that is such a good question. And it's a question that I was asking when I was single, because yeah, you're it's like you're told by the church you have to find this guy who is leading you. But does that mean that you sit on your hands and you like hold back in what you're learning so that you can be I don't know, for lack of a better term, dumber so mm-hmm. that he can be smarter than you, you know, or he can know more, he can um lead you. And that's kind of the predicament that I think a lot of women find themselves is well, How do I find a guy who's, you know, more advanced than me in this if, you know, he's not a theology major, et cetera. So really, though, what we have to do to answer that question is actually look at where does a spiritual leader language even come from? Because that word is not in the Bible Mm -hmm. anywhere. And it really comes from the complementarian view that the genders are different. And, you know, they're different in their role but they're equal in value equal in redemptive value and human value etc now obviously there are there's another camp called the egalitarian camp which would say no men and women are equal in value and completely interchangeable in role so there are different views within christianity but the spiritual leader aspect really comes from the complementarian view which is the dominant view in christianity so when you're they're looking at scripture, like, where does this come from? It really comes from the passages in Ephesians 5, passages in Corinthians, even all the way back to Genesis, where Paul appeals to Genesis saying, you know, the man was created first, and a passage where Paul says, um, I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man. And so these passages are taken and expanded to say, this applies to dating relationships when in context he's talking about in marriage for wives to defer to their husbands authority to not disrupt church services to which back then they were disrupting the church services to ask questions things like that so you have people taking passages directed to married couples about the nature of the marriage relationship and then trying to expand that into dating and it's no wonder that we have problems yeah. because we're expanding a biblical principle and trying to say, okay, I need to find marriage material. So I need to find a guy who is going to teach me theology, essentially, mm-hmm. because that's what Paul said, go home and learn from your husbands. Well, he said that because the women were not theologically educated. They couldn't stand up and speak in the synagogue because they weren't theologically educated. Not necessarily because women couldn't learn theology on their own. And so all of that backstory to say that now, when we're looking at dating and who we date, who we marry, we have to understand that nobody ever plateaus, right? Everybody's on a journey. Everybody's on a journey of growth. And you can have a guy who knows, all of the facts, I'm sure you've gone out with one like this, Mm -hmm. knows all the Bible facts. And he is a royal flaming jerk. (laughs) Because it's about the spirit of the heart, right? It's not about just knowing the facts, knowing the theology, you know, that doesn't make a good spiritual leader, It doesn't make a good leader at all. It's the heart. And so we're after the leader heart that we can come alongside and support and co-lead with, not just somebody who has collected a lot of Bible knowledge.
0: As a culture, we're taught to do really kind of whatever it takes to advance our career. We'll invest hundreds of thousands of dollars into our education. We'll take intern jobs with little to no pay for the experience. If you're like me, you will have moved cross-country multiple times to put yourself out there. But then with things like love, we say, oh, it'll just happen when it happens. And with things like, do I want kids or not? We say, oh, I'll think about that someday down the road. I'm focusing on me right now or I'm working on my career right now. But what if we were just as intentional about our reproductive health and our fertility health as we were about our careers? Mm -hmm. The reality is women are having children later in life. But biology hasn't changed, and we need tools to understand the future of our fertility. That's why Modern Fertility was created. It's the easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. Mail it in with a prepaid label, and you'll get your personalized results within 10 days. Now, traditional testing with your doctor can cost over 1000 $1,000. But Modern Fertility only costs $159 to get the same information. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash refined, you can get $20 off your test. Also, if you have HSA or FSA, you can use those dollars on Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into how many eggs you have, hormone levels, and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means, and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to review your results and options for next steps. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future, you need information to make the decision that's best for you. So right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners at the Refined Collective $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. That means you get the test for $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it would cost you at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash refined. Again, that's modernfertility.com slash refined. Finding a bra in general is a struggle fest, but finding a bra that not only fits, but is comfortable and also, you know, a little cute, maybe a little sexy too. I mean, it feels nearly impossible. Can I also tell you that bra shopping is one of my least favorite things to do? I think the only thing I like less than bra shopping is shopping for jeans. (laughs) I recently had not only an enjoyable, but pain-free bra shopping situation with the female-founded and led company Notori. Honestly, though, bra wearers, we should be buying bras from other women who wear bras, right? Josie Notori started the company from her living room as a young mother. The bra I have from Notori is the Feathers Bra in Black. I mean, a bra named Feather? Yeah, sign me up. It's supportive and so comfy, but also has this beautiful lace detailing that makes it feel feminine and sexy too. Notori is a global lifestyle brand, but still most known for bras and underwear, and their products are made with this super soft fabric that keeps you comfortable and supported. Their products move with you throughout your day, whether you're transitioning from work, play, fitness, or even maternity. They also don't fall apart in the wash and maintain their signature look and feel over the long haul. On top of which, they offer a variety of sizes from size A to G cup. Notori is offering a 15% discount to the TRC community with the code REFINED. So go to www.natori.com and apply the code REFINED at checkout for 15% off your purchase. That's N-A-T-O-R-I dot com. And you can also share your Notori experience on social media by using hashtag MyNotori and share why Notori bras make you look and feel your best. Remember, code REFINED. I think when we look at the overarching narrative um, of scripture, we see a God who is not as concerned with behavior modification as he is with our hearts. Like we can do all the right things. Like scripture says, like, like Jesus says, you know, there'll be people who's, who have done all the right things, said all the right things, but really like at the end of days, never knew me mm-hmm. because their hearts were far. And then they talk about like, the Pharisees and the, you know, the, the whitewashed tombs of people who like, are playing Christianity, but really like their hearts are far from God. And so I feel like if that's the biblical precedence of God's relationship with us, and one of the top metaphors of Jesus and his relationship with the church is the husband and wife relationship, then like the reflection should be that the heart matters above the resume qualifiers. But I think what's hard about that, Felicia, is we're in a culture of online dating where only 2.6% of couples actually meet at church. Like when I found out that statistic, I was like, well, this is depressing. Um, And 40% of couples meet online. And you meet online and you're basically just see like a flip second of someone's resume. And then let's say you even get to the place where you're on that first date. I so often find so many women just it's like a job interview instead of like really getting to know someone's heart and it's like yeah from the very first dm on the dating app to the very first date it's like well like are you reading your bible every day and like are you in a small group and there's like these qualifying questions that we ask i don't know if you've experienced that in the single women in your life but how do we actually find a partner with a heart for God and not just like get stuck on those like resume questions. Because I think the resume questions sometimes can be helpful to be like, Oh, if this, if a person really loves God and that's a priority to them, then there might be these behaviors that also fall in line with that, like being being involved in a church
1: or a small group, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So I online dated before um, Josh, but this was a long time ago, so there weren't even apps yet. But during that time, I definitely experienced, even back then, what you're talking about. That it's like, okay, go through the guy's profile. And does he check these marks? And I do think a part of that is good and even helpful because you can often tell if somebody is pretty shallow, not serious based on on their profile, it it does give you some good insight. And I'm a huge fan of online dating for that reason. Um, Mm -hmm. But you can also say a lot of words online that aren't genuine, right? So when you're having these conversations with these guys and you're trying to get to the heart, I think what... if If I were to imagine Josh as I met him seven years ago... With an online dating profile, like if I were to write the profile for who he was back then, I'm sure it probably wouldn't have looked super impressive, right? Because he was a new baby Christian. He didn't even mm-hmm. know, like when you talked about your faith, like your Christian faith, he didn't even know the terms. He would say things like my religion. Um, he didn't know the, the churchianity stuff. And I remember like looking at him like, what are you talking about? Your religion? Like, what? <laughs> okay. Um, so when you're starting with somebody that young in faith, I think you just have to remember that that's, yes, that means that there will be a learning curve if you were to go out with him, if you were to date him. And he will have some some growing to do. But the thing to look for in in your conversations to have with them is: Does he desire God? Does he desire to know God? Does he desire to go deeper, or is he completely dependent on his parents or you or his friends to do anything remotely spiritual? Um, another big sign. When I was dating, was to me a guy's sexual boundaries and standards. If he was just like, whatever, you set the boundaries, I don't care. That told me that he, he is not letting his faith impact his sexual choices. And so if, if we're starting there, if he's literally that not serious about his own standards for sexuality in our relationship, then mm-hmm. we're starting. So far back that it's not worth my time. So you kinda of have to figure out yeah. how much are you willing to work? It was work for us. Our marriage was hard for several years, lots of communication. But he grew so much so fast through our our being together and but mostly through his desire to grow in the Holy Spirit's working in him.
0: You touch on something that is so important years ago my mentor in college said you know the number one thing you need to look for in a partner and she was like obviously are they a christian like do you love jesus and we can kind of get into more in a second why why and how that's important but she says a man that is teachable mm-hmm. a person who yeah. is has a beginner's mindset, who is willing to learn. And also, like, if that's what I'm wanting in a spouse, I also get to be that. So do I always want to be right? Do I have to have the last word? Am I willing to have someone say to me, like, hey, like, check yourself on this? Or have you thought about it this way? And... I was um, dating a person recently and we got to a point we had been getting to know each other. And it was kind of one that we met online and I was like, Oh, wow, all these things seem to be like checking off. Like, he loves God. He actually has a job. Like he's pursuing me <laughs> and was a really nice guy. And uh, I was attracted to him. But we got into a series of conversations and we really disagreed on some like pretty like heavy hitting, like how to love people well. And ultimately the question I ended up asking him was, is this an area of your life where you're willing to like grow or learn? And I was like, I'm not saying that my way is the right way. I'm just saying like my life is filled with like walking a line. And I'm in a lot of gray areas and a lot of gray spaces. And are you willing to like, be open to learning more about this. And he was like, no, I'm not. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, I think we're done here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and the, the conversation wasn't as clear cut as that. We had the conversation over a few days, but ultimately, like, all I wanted to hear from him was like, I'm willing to learn more about this. Yeah. Like, I want to hear your heart or, hey, like, I'd love to read more about that. Or I'm curious and for me that has become like such a huge thing um in a dating relationship is less like cuz i've dated the the jerk you're talking about who was on leadership at church and could was running around with other women while he was dating me and then like quoting oh bible verses back to me and it was such a mind screw and i think a lot of christian women have that same experience with christian guys and it's so unfortunate However, like the thing to look for isn't like, is he doing his Jesus calling every day? But like you're saying, like, I love that question. Like, is his desire for God? And does he have a humble heart? Yeah. Because I think that seems to be like what's underneath all of that. Like, I'm not looking for a college professor. Right. I'm looking for someone to like run through life with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And what you said about being teachable is such a great qualifier because my parents only gave us three requirements for whoever we married. They said, make sure he loves God, he works hard, and he's teachable. If he has those three things, then... He can grow. He can change. He can develop and adapt. But it's really hard to be tied to an unbeliever or a lazy man or a stubborn man. And I just am so thankful that they laid that down for us from so young because I I did find that in Josh. And we've had to work through a lot of stuff and communication because we are so, so different. And, you know, I'm very, I'm like you, I'm like podcasts, books, information, talking all the time. (laughs) And he's not, (laughs) not like that, but just that willingness has characterized him to where now, you know, he taught himself to speed read so he could read faster and keep up. He tries to listen to the same podcasts that I do so we can talk about it. That's willingness. That's Mm -hmm. teachability. And it's just amazing to me to see like seven years ago, this guy who was fresh out of the world of um, pot and alcohol and partying to now he's on the elder board at our church. And that comes from a heart that was said, Lord, change me, lead me. You know, I don't think I have it all figured out.
0: And even as you're saying those things like loves God, works hard and is teachable. And then kind of like the antithesis of that would be like someone who doesn't love God, someone who's lazy and a a stubborn person. And when you're, when you're, when you said that, what came up for me is like how often as women, I don't know if guys do this, but as women, we kind of see what we want to see. And we are like, Oh, he didn't mean it like that. Like, I feel like we kind of have this like inner negotiation that we can have in dating and with with the person that we like because we want marriage so bad. Yeah. <laughs> and so we like overlook things and something that's been like a super hard thing for me to watch is I think... Okay, I'm just going to say it. I have a lot of people in my life who have married a lazy spouse. Mm-hmm. And like in our early 20s, it was like, Oh, this person's a dreamer. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. They have lots of dreams and they want to make it big and they want to do X. And so it was like sexy when we were 21. And now like mid to late 30s, like kids entering the conversation and like, homeboy not being willing to get a job because he's doing his quote-unquote dream Yeah, that I have had a lot of people in my life and later in their relationships get into really hard dynamics where now I'm like, well, I'm still single. How can we backtrack and how can I learn from that? Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? How are we really looking for these qualities?
1: Well, as you're talking and describing this, again, this goes back to his desire to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. Because a man who wants to honor the Lord, or a woman actually applies to both. You can be a lazy woman too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a person who wants to honor the Lord is going to be open to the Lord's conviction. And the Lord's not going to endorse laziness. He's not going to endorse you putting your wife through the anxiety and stress of trying to provide for a family and tend to your kids while you sit and play video games mm-hmm. or pursue your dream mm-hmm. he's not going to call you to do that and so when a man loves the lord truly is pursuing the lord mm-hmm. it will change his view of everything it'll change his view of work his responsibility the honor due his wife the respect due his wife the love due to her and his children and so that's why I just, oh, I, I get in the work I do, I see so many women who, who married the, the decent unbeliever, you know, the, the great unbeliever. He's a nice guy. He'll go to church with me. And I guess, you know, God redeems that people get saved sometimes, but they all tell me over and over, I'm not saying I'll leave my husband he's not abusive you know nothing like that but tell the single girls don't do it mm. because it affects everything it's such a lonely road and it will affect you know things like laziness so when you're looking for that again i think it comes back to like where's his heart at what's what's his view of of god um but also what what is his perspective on work? I've heard guys use kind of tricky language, like, "Well, work isn't my life," mm-hmm. and things like that. Well, great, I'm glad work isn't your life, but like, you know, do you work to live? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do, do you pay your bills? Yeah. Um, totally. those are important questions. And so, like, when Josh and I were talking, I was like, "What? Like, do you have any goals or dreams?" Enneagram mm-hmm. three, of course, <laughs> he's a nine, so he's like, "Not really." uh, no. (laughs) I'm like, well, here, here's your life plan. I've made some goals. (laughs)
0: You're like, great. I made this chart. We have it all set to
1: go. (laughs) Those were some of the things we worked on the first few years we were married. But um, for him, he told me, well, I just really want to be a really great husband and father and provide Mm -hmm. for my family. That goal is really simple. It's, it's a lot of people would say that's kind of like a low bar. Like, Okay. But really in this world, it's kind of a high bar. And so a guy can be hardworking and have really simple goals. And I think as you're dating them, you kind of figure out, oh, okay, like, here's his heart. Yeah, his goals look different than mine. But that doesn't necessarily mean he's lazy. I think laziness comes through as a heart attitude right? that you'll start to see in relationship to his friends and his parents, his employer, Mm. things like that.
0: Yeah, because we also live in this weird time, Felicia. I don't know if you agree, but everyone's their brand, right? And it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you know, I'm my brand and my audience. And like, just because someone doesn't want to start a company or be a CEO or like write a book or whatever that is does not mean that they do not have drive and vision for their life. And right, like, I think it, it can get confusing where you're like, oh, well that person must be lazy because they just have their nine to five job and don't have the side projects. Like, I think I at times have been like, well, what is, what's his fervor for life? Like he's not doing anything big. And I just think we have this like weird obsession that, ultimately it can be really self-centered and narcissistic about like wanting to do something like really grand and big in our lives. Whereas like, yeah. when I choose to show up on a day-to-day basis and be faithful in the small things, like that's the big thing. And it doesn't have to be for millions of people to, to view in order to like make impact and legacy. Yeah. One of my friends a long time ago, we were having this chat and we were talking about we were in our 20s and, you know, we're like broke and, you know, I'm making pennies doing photography and we're like, and she was doing like full time ministry making pennies. And we were like, we want to do these big things. We want to be used by God and God expand our territories and give us influence. And she was like, what if the big thing that God has for me is to like have a small life and be a wife? And like, be a really good wife and be a really good mom to my kids. Like, Mm -hmm. is that enough for me? And I have like goosebumps as I say that because like, gosh, like what a beautiful calling. And that's not small at all. Um, But I think we can get so wrapped up in this like social media, like internet influencer world that I need help or God's like reorients, like what does it look like for someone to have vision for their life? And it doesn't necessarily mean like a vision for the million, for millions of people on the internet.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And like, if Josh had had that kind of like, this is what I want, you know, build my brand. We, I don't think we could have been together because... His steadiness, his, you know, small but powerful vision, I guess you could say, is what enabled my work to thrive. And so I think sometimes you have like these powerhouse women who are like, I need in order to be, quote, equally yoked to have a spiritual leader. I need somebody just as intense and, you know, visionary and go getter as me. But maybe actually what you need is that staying man. You know, the man who I call the, I call them these kinds of guys, the man who stays. He is steady. He's faithful. He's always there. He's behind the scenes. They're the guys in the church who aren't on stage, who run the sound booth every Sunday. You know, they're, they're not as visible, but without them, things don't run. And even in a marriage, like especially for really visionary, strong-willed women, I think having that steady, staying man who's often very quiet during the dating stage, by the way, a lot of times they need the girl to take the first step or initiate or say, hey, I like you, okay? They they tend to be quieter. These guys often really complement their more mm-hmm. vivacious wives and enable their dreams to grow.
0: Yeah. Oh, That's so good. And I don't want to like slide over what you just said that it's okay as a woman to let a guy know that you are interested, that you think he's cute, maybe even make the first move for a guy like that we can get so attached to it has to look this exact way. Like he has to ask me out on this day and he has to let me know this as opposed to like, what is like the both and and giving giving space for different relationships to look differently. Mm -hmm. So one more question for you. We've already kind of talked about it and I know this is like a big question. And so I'll ask the question and then I'll give you a little context. So why do you think marrying a Christian is such a big deal is the question and kind of context for that is i live in first of all i want to marry a guy that loves jesus like that is is my standard however i live in a i live in new york city 8 million people or that's probably wrong i need to fact check that <laughs> millions of people and the statistic is that for every college educated male there are two college educated females and so already out of the gate a 2 to 1 ratio now that's not Taking into account, like, is he emotionally available? Is he emotionally intelligent? Does he want to be in a relationship? Is he ready to settle down? Does he want to have kids? Mm -hmm. not just does he go to church, but is he seeking God in his life? And so I look around and I honestly, what it can feel like in the church is being on an episode of The Bachelor every week. It's like 25 girls pouncing on like the one kind of okay Christian guy that if we're being (laughs) real, we're all like, he has like a lot, he's like way too cocky, but like in the church, he's like the man. Right. And so, so many of my friends at times, myself included, get so discouraged by that. It just doesn't seem like the numbers quote unquote are in our favor. Um, That being said, I do think it's super important to marry a Christian guy, but I wanted to like kind of lay that context out there for you because I think so many women feel that tension of like the numbers feeling not in our favor and having bad experiences with guys in the church and then dating guys outside of the church that treat them 10 times better. Mm -hmm. Um, So what are your thoughts on all
1: of that? yeah so dating is hard totally <laughs> and and especially in today's day and age and everything that our culture has done to dating it makes it so difficult and I hear this a lot you know I dated guys in the church they were hypocritical and two-faced cheated on me et cetera. and then I date this non-christian guy and he's way nicer like what's up with that mm-hmm. well it's tough because yeah a non-christian can have a lot of motive to be quote unquote good because they don't they don't understand grace, they don't understand the relationship with god and and how that changes you. But obviously this christian person didn't either because they're not behaving in the way that they should. Mm-hmm. The issue for us as believing women is that we have to actually come back to what the, what scripture says. And I'm going to tell you a story to illustrate this because I came so close to, well, I attempted to be with an unbeliever. And this was a very long-term relationship type thing on and off that I wanted to work so bad. And ask the Lord, like I prayed for this person every single day. I begged the Lord, please, please, please just let him be saved so we can be together. And I finally just asked the Lord, I was coming home from college and I was like, Lord, look, I need you to just tell me if there's a chance I can be with this guy because he's a good guy. He's a nice guy. He's better than any of these Christian dudes that I've known or gone out with. Just give me some kind of sign. And I don't usually pray for signs, but the Lord is merciful and he, he will always speak consistent with his word, which is where we understand that he's always taught, don't marry people who don't share your faith. So I go home and out of nowhere, this does not happen, okay? Out of nowhere, I'm in the grocery store. Two different family friends come up to say hi because I'm on break and start talking to me about how important it is to marry somebody who shares your faith people don't do that in the grocery store. That's weird. That's, that's just strange to do to a 19 year old, but they were, and they were being nice. They're like, I'm just so grateful, you know, that I married a man who just loves the Lord. It makes such a difference. I'm like, what are you talking about? This is nuts. Two different people. And then I went to a wedding of a friend was sitting at the table alone and single and mad because, you know, they're in their first dance and I'm sitting there alone. And there's a little quote card in front of me. I turned it over And so this would be the third incident. And it said, love does not consist in gazing at each other, but in looking outward together in the same direction. And when I read that, I realized you've known the truth all all along, Felicia. Like, you know why God says this. He says it for your good, for your protection. You have to trust him. And so I ended it. And I didn't meet my husband for three and a half more years or four four years. And so other people came and went during that time. And that was a period of trusting that God had my back in that area. So my point with that story is, I'm not ever going to say it's easy. I'm not going to say it's feels good. I'm not even going to say it makes sense all the time. But that God is sovereign. He sees your heart. He sees what you want. And God, he is merciful and compassionate, but he's also clear in his word about this because he knows the pain that it can and does cause. And so he's serious about it.
0: And I I mean, if you have those verses off the top of your head, I would love to have those for my community. If not, maybe you can send them to me. Yeah. Because I know it's so important. I, that's something that I've thought for myself for so long and recently I've been like, "Well, why do I want to marry a guy that loves Jesus?" And honestly, so much of my reason why is outside of scripture. The reason I believe that like my relationship with Jesus is the lens with which I view the world. And so like
1: mm-hmm.
0: I the way I spend my money is rooted in my relationship with God, how I make decisions. Um My sexual boundaries, my how my career goals, like everything, how I want to raise my um, children—all these things for me go back to the relationship that I have with the Lord. And I have some of my closest friends in my life that I love more than life itself don't share my worldview. And we love each other deeply and love each other well. And we've had conversations sometimes and they're like, "Why? Like you love me. Like, why can't you date someone that doesn't love God? And ultimately kind of what that comes down to is like, there's a heart translation there that like, I am constantly kind of like translating and to have someone that to the core of who I am, like understands like my heart for Jesus. And not only like, has space for it and respects it because I have been so honored and respected by the people and friends in my life that don't share my faith and worldview. But to have someone who's not only respecting it, but like, is like, all right, you feel called to this. I want to go to bat for you in prayer. Like, I want someone going to bat with me in that. Um, Exactly. And I don't necessarily know where all of that is in scripture. But just as I kind of like unpacked it for myself a few years ago, I was like, no, that like, that's what I want. Like, I, because I dated a guy that wasn't a Christian when I first moved to New York, and I fell head over heels for him. And I was like, I don't understand. He treats me better than all of these people that have, quote unquote, been Christians. And it was maybe a similar experience to, to yours. Like there wasn't necessarily anything bad, but at the end of the day, I remember I was leaving to go speak in LA and he was like, that's so cool that you're doing it. Like, can't wait to hear about it. And it was only like later on that I looked back and was like, he wasn't tearing me down. I think I always felt like if I dated a non-Christian, they would be like tearing me down and like pushing me away from Jesus, but there wasn't that. But I realize I want someone who is pointing me constantly to Jesus. Like, I don't want someone who's like, that's cool. You're doing that speaking thing. Like, have fun. I want someone that's like, can I look at your notes? <laughs> like, can
1: Fine. we talk about this? Yeah. Well, yeah. And you're giving a perfect example of the verse. It's Second Corinthians 6.14 oh. that says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers. And we've taken it and we've expanded it all over the church to mean all sorts of things. But yoke is... That wooden thing that sits on the two oxen to keep them together to pull the wagon. So, if you yoke yourself to an unbeliever, the reason he's using this imagery is you're both pulling two different directions. Mm-hmm. You can't help it. You have fundamentally different worldviews and outlooks on life. And so, even if he's like, I support you, he's not pulling for you. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between like supporting the weight of the yoke, and actually pulling against it alongside you, pulling forward to do the work together. You can't do that with an unbeliever. You can have like a, what will end up happening is you have a weaker, um, oxen basically pulling with you all the time. And that means the heavier weight falls on you with your family. You know, if you do have kids together, um, going to church alone or, you know, if they go and eventually, you know, decide they don't want to, which often happens. It's just, it's a variable that God knew. And it's not, Paul's command isn't new. If you go back into the Old Testament, you can look in Exodus, Mm -hmm. Exodus 34, Deuteronomy 7, Joshua 23, 1 Kings 11, over and over. God was like, Israel, don't intermarry with these nations. It wasn't because it was like this ethnic snobbery or racism. That wasn't what it was about. It was that these people groups um, did not want anything to do with Mm -hmm. God and his, his way of worshiping him. That was why, because he kept saying, if you intermarry with them, they will lead you away. It doesn't always happen in an unequally yoked marriage, but the principle is still there that it's very difficult to pursue wholeheartedly and pull equally when you're not equally yoked.
0: So as you're saying that, here's what comes to mind for me, kind of back to the whole like spiritual leader thing is I have had guys use that same scenario to me to explain why they are okay marrying, dating girls that aren't Christian. Whereas I dated a guy and he was like, well, you should only marry and date a Christian, but like, I can date a girl that's not a Christian because like, I'm the the leader. And like, with that yoke over me, like I can pull us in this direction because I'm quote unquote stronger than her spiritually.
1: What do you think of that? Interesting argument. Well... He must not know how a yoke is designed <laughs> <Don't you know? laughs> uh, because if he's the one pulling, um, he's going to end up pulling one direction with you know this unequal, you know, um, and possibly even unwilling participant being dragged along beside him. So he clearly doesn't understand what, what loving leadership is because it's not pushing somebody around. Wow! Right? So he's he's thinking, I'm just gonna I'm gonna marry her and i tell her what to do. Oh, are you now? Is that, <laughs> is that what godly leadership looks like for you? Now we've just got a problem all over. You shouldn't even be dating a Christian girl, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you okay. know, like what on earth? But this idea that spiritual leadership means like, I can, I can get her to where I want her. Mm. Like I'm, I'm almost what that assumption is. I'm like a priest or a prophet or something that I can play the Holy Spirit and, I can lead her to where she needs to be. She has to make that choice herself with the Lord. We have this conversation all the time with women, right? Like, don't salvation date a guy, you know, and hope that he's going to change. Same would go for a guy towards a girl. Mm -hmm. You, You aren't the Holy Spirit. He has to work that in their heart. And she could even behavior change and follow you to church and do all the right things. But the funny thing about marriages is it strips away a lot of those facades and it starts to bring to the surface any selfishness or resentment that had harbored for years. And an unbeliever doesn't have the tools to deal with that. They don't know what, you know, They don't have, oh, I bring this to the Lord, or I go see a biblical counselor and go to the word for how to deal with this. They won't have those tools. So you just end up with this potential for conflict, whether you're a man or a woman um, in that situation.
0: Uh, Felicia, I want to talk to you for seven more hours. (laughs) Um, (laughs) This will be the longest podcast ever. Um, But gosh, thank you so much for your insight and for just always bringing it back to scripture and for sharing your own story. And so thank you for being
1: here. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. This is so fun.
0: Yeah, girl. And can you tell us, I know we didn't get to talk about your book, but you have an incredible book that just launched. What is it? How can we get our hands on it? And how can we follow along with all your goodness?
1: Yeah. So the book is called Stop Calling Me Beautiful. It's about finding a deeper spiritual life, going deeper in your faith um, in a shallow world. And... It, right now, with coronavirus, Amazon isn't shipping um, copies, so you can get it on Kindle on Amazon, or you can get an actual paperback copy on Christian Book or Barnes & Noble. Um, and then my social media, I'm Felicia Masonheimer on Instagram and Facebook, and my website is FeliciaMasonheimer.com. Awesome.
0: Well, have an amazing day, and I'm just so grateful for your insight, and can't wait to meet you in person one day. We're going to make it happen. It's going to happen. All right, take care. Do I want someone who shares my faith? Yes, but I'm looking for a partner and not a Bible study leader. What I hear in Felicia's story with her husband is the willingness to let her person and herself be on a spiritual journey and in that look at the fruit of their lives. Finding your person is about doing life together, not about whether or not they can check all the boxes on your spiritual resume. Remember, we're looking for love, not hiring for a job. So let's be curious, gracious, and open to the unexpected. If you liked this conversation, you'll definitely like next week's conversation with certified relationship coach Jillian Tarecki as we unpack, Are You Blocking Yourself from Love? So stay tuned.